0: This is The Ignition Show, an after show edition. Hello, everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of The Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pull it apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner Sarah and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and to accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side by side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode. So please go to our Facebook group. That's The Ignition Show on Facebook. And join if you haven't yet. And let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode.
1: I really liked listening to this conversation. I couldn't believe listening to it that you guys hadn't met before or hung out because it sounded like two buddies getting together. Over a beer,
0: I love that you said that. And you know, when we were listening back to it, we you even paused it halfway through, and you said, "I I think you're having fun."
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, this was the this was the best episode, I think, from your standpoint, because you sounded like you were having a lot of fun.
0: Well, you're right, and I kind of felt like, uh, even though I don't know didn't know Mike before, but we got introduced through a mutual friend, and uh, I think, I, as I said to you, all three of us, I think, would get along quite well. Just with our shared experiences and perspective on things, and um, yeah, there were so many great points that Mike brought. That the the first one that really comes out to me was one of the last things in the overall conversation he talked about was this this whole concept that a mentor told him about the the ten minute sweaty palm conversation. And I think mean, we both kind of went, "Oh, I like that." When we first heard it, what was Absolutely. what was your reaction? Why did you?
1: Oh, it totally made sense. I mean, everything reflecting on all the relationships that I've had and the ones. The the great ones in my life right now, the great relationships I have with friends and you and and people you know in my family, often have gotten stronger with those ten minute sweaty palm conversations where you don't know how it's going to go. Oftentimes, I didn't know even how to begin the conversation, let alone lead the conversation in a way I wanted. I just knew that it had to happen, and oftentimes it made the relationship so much stronger. And I also reflected on the relationships that have kind of crumbled in my life. And it's often because I wasn't willing to have those mm. conversations or I wasn't adept at having those conversations.
0: Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. When, as soon as you said that, I could immediately, you know, my brain was kind of popping with these images of various people or situations in the past where... I either I stepped into that and, and got sweaty for 10 minutes or I avoided it and probably still stayed sweaty. Yeah. Um, but it's all right. And I think, as I mentioned in the interview, it relates back to what Jay Ellard said in one of our earlier podcasts about that. The biggest source of stress is the conversations not, that are not being had. Completely. And um, I love that. so many things that he said about that. And I, I, I actually really appreciate it as well. When he, he mentioned that he had a conversation coming up in his calendar that week that he was feeling uncomfortable about. And I I honestly don't remember. It's been a, it's been a little while since we actually had Mike and I did the, did the interview, but I think there was something going on between you and I, I can't remember exactly.
1: When you did the interview or when we listened to it?
0: When, when Mike and I did the interview and I thought, Oh, I need to have a 10 minutes ready (laughs) bomb conversation with Sarah. And I think I actually did. And it like, again, as I know, it's always a hundred times worse in your own head what it's going to be like. But what I also, you know, the tactician in me really also appreciated him, you know, saying that it's re- usually, it's just that kind of that first setting up the conversation, or the first kind of entry point into the conversation. He that said is like the, the first 20 seconds. The first 20 seconds is the is the stickiest part. And well, it's uh, funny I, I totally relate to that.
1: When I listened to that, I thought of so many moments when I was a boss or an employee Back in my cor- corporate gig, especially when I was really afraid to have those conversations, and I would beat around the bush, and I would try and use analogies, and you know, to tr- I remember one conversation in particular where I was talking to a direct report, and his behavior and attitude was just way off course, and but he was a very tenured employee, much more tenured than I was, even though I was his boss, and. I I reflect back and I just I wish I had taken more of a direct route in that mm. conversation. We ended up in a good place, but I was beating around the bush for like half an hour before before he got you know got a sense of what I was talking about. And um I think our relationship would have been that much stronger if I just been more direct.
0: I can totally relate to that as well and it kind of links into the whole conversation around authenticity is um I can re- reflect on the conversation I had when I was leading a team where We had an underperformer on the team and she was liked. She was, she had some challenges. She wasn't from the country. She had a very, very strong foreign accent and she was very hard to understand. And so things were always slower with working with her, but she was getting to the point where she was really becoming problematic. She just was not performing. She just was not delivering at the level she should have been delivering. And her manager, uh, so I was two levels above, her manager came to me and said, like, this isn't working out. And I knew I needed to have a conversation with her. And um, long story short is I had the conversation. In hindsight, it was a 10-minute sweaty palm conversation. It was awkward first 20 seconds. But I was more direct than I probably ever was. And I probably, probably because I thought about it for long enough, I, I was uh, built up enough courage to say what it needed to be said. But it felt liberating to me to be able to speak directly and just tell her, that she's not performing at the level that we need of expected of a senior manager.
1: And you know what I like about that? I'm going to interrupt because I reflect back on the conversation that I should have had with that, with the person who reported to me. And I look back and I'm like, I feel like I was being disrespectful by not being direct enough. It was like, I was underestimating his maturity, even though he was about 20 years older than me, I was underestimating how he would take it.
0: Absolutely. That's what I was going to say as well is that we, um, when we speak directly, when we speak authentically, you know, with the caveat of you do it in whatever, a professional way or personal way or
1: open hearted way, compassion,
0: all empathy, all that stuff has got to be there as well. But when you speak direct around a difficult conversation, spoken or not, people will respect it. And it's such a great reminder that I'm sure you and I will have some sweaty palm conversations <laughs> in the coming days and weeks and months because that's how life is. Um but just even having this conversation with you now, it just reminds me that it's, it's never as bad as, it, as you think it's going to be. And you and I always say this, when we have, we weren't calling it a 10-minute sweaty palm conversation before, but when we've had sticky situations, we'll always say at the end, even though it does get uncomfortable, we're always better and stronger after those conversations, even if they are very uncomfortable, than we would be if we ignored
1: them. Absolutely. And I think the caveat for those people listening, because we've had many of those conversations, oftentimes the reason it's better than it, our relationship ends up better than it was before we go into that conversation is it's rarely 10 minutes. I mean, this is a marriage we're talking Mm. about. So it's not a 10 minute, you're not doing your job. We, I think part of the success of those conversations for us is that we, we stay in that conversation until it's resolved yeah. until, and until we're in a better place than we were going into it. And I think that's been the key to success for those conversations for us.
0: I, I agree. And it's interesting you said that because when, even when Mike and I talked about the 10-minute sweaty poem, I never, I never interpreted that as the conversation is only 10 minutes.
1: Right. It's the it's, it's an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's an
0: hour-long conversation. And for that first 10 minutes, it's sweaty. Fair enough. But then we get into a groove where we, uh, I agree with you, we we stay in the space. So I'm curious, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is what did this conversation that I had with Mike, what did it trigger in you or prompt in you about your own reflection about vulnerability, or authenticity?
1: Well, so the thing that came to mind for me was my corporate life. And I've been out of the corporate world for about four and a half years now. And I reflected back on how, who was the person I was then? And who am I now? And I've done a lot of self-growth since then, like a lot of self-growth, but I think back to the person I was, and I don't think I was nearly as authentic as I would be now knowing, knowing what I know now, having done the work that I've, that I've done, I would be a much better better employee to have working at a company but not only that I would be much more successful because I think I would be better with people better in situations more level-headed um, just better in every sense of the word but because I would show up authentically and not trying to have this buttoned up persona that I thought would was expected of me at the time
0: mm. and I, I can really do that as well again in my previous career of marketing, especially in the, the role of client services where, you know, I was the point person for a lot of, a lot of clients. And um, there certainly was an air that you're supposed to have the right answer. Yes. As as the agency, I was on a marketing agency side dealing with uh, large organizations. And that's one thing that really struck me when I left that bit, that business. And just even a couple of weeks after leaving, I, re- I could see how clearly it was, this facade that was always projecting that we have the answer, we have the answer. And even translated over to the business we have now, whether it's acquiring new clients or the work that I do now with corporate teams and those initial business development conversations where I'm sitting across from a person that doesn't know me necessarily from anybody and I've got to go in and pitch them on what I do. Uh, And in fact, a a good colleague, colleague of mine recommended this book that we both have Uh, from um, Patrick Lencioni, Get Naked? Getting Naked? Getting Naked. Getting Naked, which is a great book. If you're any independent consultants out there, it's a great book. But the whole idea of you don't need to have the answer and it's okay to tell the person, I don't know what you need yet. And for me, that's so liberating when I'm greeting with a new client. It's like, I don't know if I can help you. Let's have a conversation. I'm not here to pitch you on how great I am. Let me understand you. And I can tell you if I'm able to help you once I understand what Problem you need solving, or what challenge you're, you're dealing with, and I think that that has really shifted my overall approach, my mindset, and my confidence um, in dealing with um, bigger and bigger organizations, or bigger and bigger people, and bigger, bigger challenges.
1: But I would say from my from my own experience, that's been a major shift because I did grow up in the corporate corporate world where. All of my bosses, all of the people I was trying to impress as a 24-year-old new employee were of that era and of that, of that mindset that you you put on the suit and you, you put on your, your corporate mask, so mm. to speak, before going into any situation. And after leaving corporate, it's taken some, some work to unlearn that, that mindset. Yes. But to that point, one the thing I loved most about this interview is you and Mike going back and forth and especially talking about your athletic days and, and both playing at a very high competitive level, he in baseball and you in football, but then you started talking about basketball and mm. you know the Raptors and the Warriors. And you and I got really into the, the NBA playoffs this past year. And watching um, Toronto play the Warriors. And he mentioned Steph Curry. And that's someone you could root for, whether you were a Warriors fan or not. And because he brings so much joy to the game. Um, and that's something that just attracts you to his personality. And mm-hmm. and you, you and I have talked about this before. He looks like a little, you know, he, he's not little, but he looks like a 13-year-old playing basketball in his backyard all the time, even at the the highest level. And it's something I just admire about that. He's at the highest level. The stakes are high. Millions are on the line. And he's just playing with joy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you think that, you know, do, is it that he's at that elite level and he's such a, such a groove that he can play with joy? Or has he always played with joy, which has made him the success that
1: he is? Completely. And it refl- makes me reflect back on my corporate life, my personal life, if we could play, play full out with that much joy, where would that, where would that take you?
0: Yeah. And so is that is does that also make you think as to bringing more joy to your, your days now or projects you're working on now? Just to.
1: I think so. I mean, that's always kind of in the back of my mind is, you know, bringing more joy and, um, it's something I've been working on for a long time is just bringing more joy to, to every situation. And that was actually one thing, completely different note, but we mentioned on the last after show that your mother had, has recently passed. And that's one thing that I I mentioned to you during her service. So many people, she was very involved in the community and her church group and, and of service. And so many people I met during the visitation came up to me and said, we work together on this committee or we work together in the kitchen at the church. And she always made things fun. Hmm. She, al- she always brought joy to every situation, even though they were toiling away in the back and probably wouldn't have been recognized. But I, it's something that's so admirable and something that just is not not only noticed in the moment with by people around you, but it, stayed, it's, it has a lasting effect. It's, it's a very attractive quality, is to bring joy to every situation.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah, I guess that's a big, at the root of being authentic, is regardless of what the situation is, is to be yourself. And there's just so much evidence and experience. And, you know, Mike and I talked about a few of them, but of uh, that when, it doesn't matter almost what the quality is, but people are attracted to authenticity. Yes. Whether it's it joy, whether it's humor, whether that's... Vulnerability. Vulnerability, whether it's strategic insight, whether whatever it is. But people are attracted to authenticity. And um, maybe this is all, all just a, a prompt for us to bring, bring authenticity more to uh, our work and how we engage with our clients and... How we run the business and run the house and whatnot.
1: Well, and I think even just bringing it to our community, meeting people, meeting our neighbors on the street in the morning Mm -hmm. and how many people say, hey, how's it going? And the standard response is, oh, it's great, you know, or it's good, not bad, but to actually be authentic in that answer. It's like, "Ah, I had a rough night.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, give me, give you some good good things to think about uh, for the week ahead as to how to bring more be more authentic and be perhaps be more vulnerable as we choose courage over comfort in the in the days ahead. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook and our website and respond to as many people as we can. We'd especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen,
1: and I'm Sarah Jansen,
0: and this is The Ignition Show.